0: That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No conditions apply See website for details. <laughs> yeah. The revolution, is, the revolution televised. is televised. Episode 112 of the Unplugged Pro Wrestling Show. I am your host, Jesse Velasquez, scribe for se scoops going to keep this a very short solo episode and thank you so much for your support over the last handful of days dms all of that good jazz shout outs on twitter last friday was very nerve-wracking to say the least and let's just say we pulled through life is on the upswing once again never necessarily hit a huge downswing Yet, everybody knows that life can be in an emotional roller coaster from time to time, and we're now back on that upswing. All right, real quick Wrestling Twitter, their horrible takes of the week, which there really aren't many because I avoided Twitter. Thank goodness, I've already seen some of the diatribe this morning and made me want to poke my eyes out with needles. Go through a brief WWE Elimination Chamber preview been following up more on the larger storylines, but I can give you some of the background on the lower card piece of everything. And then we're going to finish with a fun little exercise on the AEW front, as we know Revolution is coming up here in three weeks, but I'm going to announce who I think will be the next three challengers for MJF. Yes, I'm assuming he's going to retain. Spoiler alert. That being said, let's roll. The story you are about to see is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. Alright, Wrestling Twitter, what do you have for me this week? Not much, as I said earlier. However, (laughs) I I do have to shout this person out because they're fairly well-known in the wrestling community. Conan, former AAA and WCW star... Here is what he had to say about Kanosuke Takeshita. Well, Takeshita, he's got heat with me. And he's lucky I wasn't in El Paso. Because when he went up and he did the fucking Eddie Guerrero thing for the frog splash, you're not Mexican, dude. I don't care. Stick to your nationality. It's 2023, Conan. And if we're keeping it 100 in terms of diversity in the wrestling world, and this won't be the first tweet that I'm going to highlight this week or low light, however you want to look at it, let's just say that We're not trying to stereotype things. We haven't been trying to stereotype things. A lot has changed since the late 90s and early 2000s when you had Vince McMahon saying the N-word on live cable television. You had the Mexicals, again, riding out lawnmowers. Absolutely disgusting. I mean, you even had jacket time with NXT, about a year ago with Kushida and his partner, and it was just an absolutely horrible stereotype when it came to what wrestling offers. So I feel that why in the world can't somebody give a tribute, especially if you're in El Paso? And Kenosuke Takeshida is a very, he seems like a very humble young man. This is his first excursion into the States. I believe he's living here now since he is fully signed with AEW. But you've had Chris Jericho at AEW Full Gear in 2021 do this exact same thing. And, of course, you didn't scold him. Why? Well, because you've, you've had a history with him in the past with WCW, and he's close with Eddie. But it's not just him. I mean, Ray Phoenix, also Mexican, has done the same thing. You've had, I believe, Montez Ford, I think, in WWE television has done the same deal. But you could correct me if I'm wrong there. It's not trying to paint a light on a specific nationality. It's just trying to pay homage to an incredible performer. And we all know just how great Eddie Guerrero was. So Conan, you have heat with me, bro. Let's move on. All right. Literally the biggest stars in wrestling came through NXT. Seth Rollins, Bianca Belair, Sami Zayn. I could go on and on and on. I'm going to highlight... The use of the word star here. I don't like using the word star. A lot of people know that about me. I usually paint people in specific lights. Yes, you're on television. You're probably in the public limelight. Some of you are. And there's a couple million viewers who watch WWE each week. You probably have more watching it on YouTube. You have roughly 900,000 to a million people watching AEW this week. Uh, on a weekly on a weekly basis, but you also have folks who are watching stuff in Japan and Mexico. The whole likes when I think of the word star, and we could even add a super to the beginning of the word star. I think of somebody who has crossover appeal, where if they were to go out in public, they would be surrounded and folks would be asking them for autographs and then again more with crossover appeal making television appearances on maybe like a CBS or an NBC night show like Roman Reigns just did recently would I consider him a superstar I think he's pretty close he has that crossover appeal I think he's been in a movie you never know if that's the future that he wants to follow maybe after he loses his championship obviously I'm assuming he's gonna go home when he finally does lose and when that is it's beyond me, but Sasha Banks has a little bit of crossover appeal. I would kind of consider her not a mainstream worldwide superstar, but she's been in the Mandalorian. She's worked on some other projects. She's done some modeling on the side. I definitely can see her being used in that star limelight. You have Chris Jericho, I could use him kind of in that superstar limelight. He has his own band Fozzie. I know it's kind of a, maybe like a B end type rock group, but He's definitely known and people know who he is. And that's why they've had him open up dynamites before after really huge sporting events, just because they go, Hey, I know Chris Jericho. I'm going to stick with this. You have those three people. And then outside of that, from a superstar perspective, you can start to maybe see Bianca Belair getting some coverage here just because she's, she's had an es She's, uh, she won an SB with Sasha Banks a year or two ago. Huge deal. You might see Cody Rhodes. I know he's had his own reality show, but again, that's kind of B-list type stuff. Very similar to the Miz, who's done a lot of like B-level projects, but hasn't really been fully featured when it comes to being in a prominent role in a in a movie. Like a John Cena, a Dwayne Johnson, of course. You have those two are the the ones I really think the highest of. Stone Cold Steve Austin, of course, he's definitely had a, a lot of mainstream appeal in the past and he obviously with being him being the highlight of the attitude era that's another thing Ric Flair the same thing you have a lot of professional athletes that kind of follow his style so that's when I that's what I consider kind of more of a star level I know Kazuchika Okada has that in Japan he's been on quite a few television shows in the whole like so I think just, again, when it comes to the word star being thrown around in pro wrestling, it's really thrown around in too light of a domain. We have to focus on, and I guess here's another example, and then I'm going to close this here. Look at hockey players and NFL players, like lesser end players who you wouldn't recognize them if they were out on the street in a line of, like, five or six different people just because they, they're, they're wearing helmets, number one. And number two, unless you're Patrick Mahomes or you're, we'll use Wayne Gretzky from the past, or maybe you're Giannis or let's use some other examples here, not Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, another Kansas City chief, but unless you're Justin Jefferson or Joe Burrow, those likes who are, the they're kind of the focus of the franchise You would definitely consider them stars. They're very, very recognizable. So I think just when it comes to who are stars in pro wrestling, we definitely use that term way too loosely. We got to think of the word performer. So use the word performer from now on. Okay, folks, that's just my opinion. You could differ from me. Here we go. I don't care if I get heat for this, but as a white guy, I think AEW is way more diverse than the WWE. They treat blacks better. Yikes. Do they? That's that's an interesting question. It's a very interesting question. It's a topic that one day maybe I'll ta- I'll, I will tackle, me being a minority myself. And I think with Vince McMahon gone, at least officially from cre- creative and booking and things like that, I think it's going to get a little bit better for the WWE. But I really haven't heard any racial undertones over the last six months when it comes to some of the programming that the WWE has put on. AEW obviously has done a much better job, but Bianca Belair is currently your WWE Raw Women's Champion. Big E was world champion about a year or two ago. They do have a a fair amount of minorities on both rosters, and they're all doing quite well. Bobby Lashley is another example in the WWE. So I think that's really an interesting topic that maybe one day I will tackle. But again, not here, not now. But if you think one promotes and treating... African-Americans better than the other. You really have to do a deep dive. That's just really a very vague statement there. All right. So AW highlighted their dynamite from last night. And this gentleman takes it upon himself to say, none of this makes sense. It's all just a mismatch. Wrest- it's all just mismatch wrestlers doing random stuff. Make it make sense. So When I was looking at the card last night, we had Tony Storm, Ruby Soho, and Britt Baker in a triple threat, where Tony Storm and Soraya are completely tied in with Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter at the moment, and Ruby Soho was caught in incoming traffic directly in the middle of of it, trying to navigate it. We had John Moxley and Claudio Castagnoli facing off with Roosh and formerly 10, Preston Vance. There was some built-in heat over the last couple of weeks, so that definitely makes sense. Mark Briscoe and Josh Woods, there was a backstage altercation on last Friday night's Rampage that led to this match on Dynamite. We have Brian Cage and Jungle Boy Jack Perry in a rematch of a bout that they had taken place prior earlier in the year, which set up the return of Christian Cage. A lot of the matches last night, while they were slow, and it was definitely a lower-impact Dynamite, this all made sense. They do have continuity in most of their stories. They can get a little off topic on certain things, but for the most part, they do a pretty good job. All right, here we go. This gentleman about the WWE, in terms of what he thinks that they've improved, he thinks that the PLEs have been better. Ever since Triple H came in charge, we've had way better PLEs. Matches have improved and gimmick PLEs feel rejuvenated. They also got shorter, meaning we get better and longer matches and the show is a little more digestible. I think Clash at the Castle was a above-average P- PLE. Great showing for the WWE. I think if you were to throw it in a PLE light from maybe 10, 11, 12, we could go 15, 20 years back. I don't think it was as good as anything that we've seen from, we'll say, 1997. Maybe even, heck, I would say 2013 SummerSlam, I'd rank over Clash of the Castle. I mean, if we were really to go back, the Clash of the Castle was definitely better than a lot of the stuff they put on the last four or five years. But then you go into Survivor Series where the war games didn't even have the top of a cage. That's pretty ridiculous. You need to keep the continuity when it comes to the spirit of the war games of the past. Extreme Rules, that gimmick pay-per-view was not a good offering for them. The overrated 4.5-star Finn Balor edge match that was 15 to 20 minutes too long, and the first 15 to 20 minutes of the match were quite boring, if I'd say so myself. The Royal Rumbles this year were just okay. The men's was better than in years past. The women was a little too cluttered. The Roman Reigns-Kevin Owens main event was pretty good, but we all know that the reason that will remember that pay-per-view was for Sami Zayn turning his back on Roman Reigns and the bloodline. So I think in terms of it being more digestible, that is possible. I think there's a little less of a hodgepodge going on. But if you think that the pay-per-views have drastically improved overall as a whole over the last couple of years, I am gonna disagree with you on this and I would love to hear in the comment section as well what do you what you think. Have they really improved? Is there, is there more continuity? Think outside of the bloodline, outside of Cody Rhodes, and now Rhea Ripley, Charlotte Flair, because I mean, Becky Lynch and the damage control gimmick or their storyline just has really slowed down damage control has done absolutely nothing over the last nine months they've been treated up down up down up down like a roller coaster in terms of their direction there hasn't been continuity i just consider all three of them as mid-card acts if that and we're talking about two of the more talented women's performers on the roster so it has improved but in terms of like all of it being digestible and very watchable it's just not fully there. And do we need to go into the hearty performance at the Royal Rumble? Nah. Let's close with this. Since we opened with Conan, let's close with Bill Goldberg. I thought Rihanna was freaking horrible. I was disgusted by it. Let's just say that. And then when someone said it was kind of boring, he said, that's the understatement of the year. It. I thought it was disgusting, and it was horrible. How old are you, Bill Goldberg? You're in your mid-50s. Rihanna appeals to... I would say a good chunk of the female audience will say 25 to 40. So it's a different demo. I watched the halftime show. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. I'm not a huge fan of Rihanna. I give her a ton of credit for being pregnant and doing what she did. That was amazing. She had a pretty solid voice. I think in terms of Super Bowl halftime appearances, it probably ranks somewhere in the middle. I'm not going to go up and down the list of what I thought was better. I'll give you two. I'll give you three. Prince, the goat best performance in Super Bowl halftime history. We had Michael Jackson back in the early 90s, also tremendous. I, always, I also thought last year's performance with Eminem, Dre, Snoop, Kendrick, Lamar, and the whole likes was very good. So that's kind of my, my opinion on things, but to call Rihanna's performance disgusting and horrible, I think that's a little off base, my man. So you my friend just go back and hide in the hole where you came from back in 1998 and we definitely do not want to see you in WWE television anytime soon all right let's fast forward into elimination chamber here so there are five matches on the docket which is always nice as that gentleman alluded to earlier in his tweet so let's open up with this. We have a mixed tag between Beth Beth Phoenix, Edge versus the Judgment Day. That would be Finn Balor and Rhea Ripley. I don't think it makes sense for Beth Phoenix and Edge to get their upcomings here. I truly believe that Rhea Ripley is definitely on the course here to being elevated to that next tier. It's coming, folks. And... I think the way Beth Phoenix returned in the middle of the men's Rumble match when Rhea Ripley came out to help out Judgment Day after they were brawling with Edge in the back after all of them had been eliminated and Beth to come out it was a little, it just wasn't the right timing. I would have liked to have seen Beth get in the women's Royal Rumble itself and have her brawl with Rhea for about 5 minutes where Rhea finally throws her over and of course she gets she gets the victory. Another kind of booking faux pas that the WWE had was Rhea Ripley not dominating this Royal Rumble instead of just lying around for 80% of it Finn Balor and Rhea Ripley are definitely going to win this I would be in an absolute state of shock if they didn't we'll see the continuation of Edge and Finn Balor and Rhea Ripley is going to move on to gold folks with Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania let's move into Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley this one's a very difficult one to call I could see it going a couple of ways. We could see maybe a no contest, which would lead to a fourth match at WrestleMania. This feud could continue that way. I mean, these two are behemoths. It's, it's always fun to watch these guys work together, just two physical forces. And let's hope we see a 50 50 back and forth. Do I think. I think Lashley should go over in this scenario. I would like to see him get elevated into the Undisputed Universal Championship pecking order here in the next. Two, three months when either Roman loses it, or if he does retain, maybe he becomes the next in line after Cody Rhodes and even Sami Zayn. But I have a weird feeling that they're going to give Brock Lesnar his due here. I really don't have a good reason why. I just have a feeling that he's going to, and they're maybe going to build him up a little bit, and maybe we're going to see him and Gunther battle it out at wrestlemania which would be an amazing match and i would love to see the younger guy go over in that instance but one can dream can't they we'll see going lesnar over lashley here let's move on united states title elimination chamber match we have six pretty solid performers here your your champions austin theory i think of the six he's the least talented in the bunch personal opinion only you have seth rollins johnny gargano Bronson reed damian priest and montez ford if you had done a decent job of building all six of these guys, I would be a lot more excited for it. I'm just moderately intrigued here. And we do know that Seth Rollins will be taking on Logan Paul more than likely at WrestleMania. So I'm going to eliminate him, no pun intended, from winning the United States Championship here. I can't see Damian Priest coming out on top. Just doesn't make any sense. I think he's just going to be going right back to being the muscle of Judgment Day. Bronson Reed's brand spanking new, and he's already getting no crowd response whatsoever. If you listen to my last podcast episode, you would definitely understand why he's not getting much response. I just said that from that 2018 to 2021-22 NXT class, that a lot of those fans have moved on and they're watching AEW. That's just a personal opinion. Johnny Gargano has not been really that interesting since he came back from paternity leave. Congratulations. I know his son just turned one. It's a beautiful thing. I love Johnny. Don't get me wrong. I think in terms of his in-ring, he's tremendous. I think he could fill out a role that what Sammy Zane's doing right now. I think he would be fantastic in that. Give him a Sammy Zane, Daniel Bryan hybrid, but you need to do some more building here and they definitely haven't done enough. So he's just kind of looked like a goober on TV and it's really unfortunate. Montez Ford could be the wild card here and they in a sense kind of dropped the ball with him at the Royal Rumble. I know a lot of people won't say that they did, but they definitely did. I think you could have had him go for 20, 25 minutes to a half an hour to kind of justify where if he were to get if he is in this in the scenario that you could definitely give him the W and have him run with the United States Championship. That'd be awesome. I just don't see it. I think Austin Theory is going to sneak out of here with the United States championship and there's been rumors that he's going to wrestle John Cena at WrestleMania where I think he's going to go over because Vince McMahon saw a lot in Austin theory. I think triple H sees a good chunk in Austin theory as well, but quite frankly, I don't personally, but they do and that's what's important. I think obviously the most over in this bunch by an absolute long shot is Seth Rollins and he's already held the United States championship, but I think it's time for once he wrestles Logan Paul at WrestleMania, give him a W there make him more interesting, and it just, again, there's just no really concrete direction with him. There needs to be more, but Austin Theory, I'm having him go over here. Let's move on. Raw Women's Title Match, or sorry, the number one contendership. We have six women, and four out of the six are pretty irrelevant here. Natalia, Asuka, Nikki Cross, Carmella Liv Morgan, and Raquel Rodriguez. I think Raquel Rodriguez could be the wild card here. They're definitely showing... That she has a future with the company, she's very tall, very broad, and strong. So maybe down towards the end of the year, towards Survivor Series, I could see her getting a title match on a PLE. However, Asuka, there really is no other person in this match. I'm not even going to count Liv Morgan either, even though she had a one-hour performance at the Royal Rumble. You gotta, you gotta go Asuka here, especially with the the reemergence of her darker character in the middle of the Royal Rumble, and you can turn her heel in this in this match as well and give her a nice give her a nice credible match with Bianca Belair at WrestleMania heck I could even see her beating Bianca Belair at WrestleMania and I wouldn't bat an eye I would perfect I'd be perfectly okay with it Bianca can afford to lose you can bring out a completely different and darker Kana character that Asuka used to display back in the mid 2010s when she was the number one woman in the wrestling world so Let's give her her just due here. I'm going to go Asuka. I think that's a chalk pick. I could be wrong. Main event time, we have Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. Much like the last match with Kevin Owens at the Royal Rumble, I think this match, the the drama is more in the aftermath as opposed to the match itself. You're going to have a lively, red-hot crowd. I'm talking nuclear for this bout. Sami Zayn back in his hometown or in his province of the eastern portion of Canada. I believe he's from Quebec. I could be wrong, but Montreal nonetheless is going to adopt him as one of theirs, just Canadian to a T. Roman has now hit the 900 day mark as the universal champion. And I know it's been close to 365 that he's held the WWE championship. So Roman is the odds on favorite here don't see him losing this match, but the Cody rhodes Sami Zayn dynamic on Monday Night Raw left me wondering if they, not necessarily they're going to pull a fast win here and have Sami Zayn pull off the tremendous upset in Canada and win the whole thing, but it could be telling me that this story between him and Roman isn't over. So I'm going to give Roman the win here, and if I were to call something out, let's just go with the obvious choice here in that, Jimmy and Jay Uso interfere in this match and Roman gets the win. Kevin Owens comes out. We get the Owens-Zayn versus Uso's tag team title match at WrestleMania. The other option that I have could be Roman still retains here, but Solo Sokoa and Paul Heyman get involved to a point where Sammy could have the match completely won, but they screw him over a, in parentheses, Montreal screw job and Roman retains which could lead to Sammy getting another title match down the road, maybe on night one of WrestleMania against Roman. Or if you really want to continue to build the story for another month, which is possible, you could throw him in the triple threat with Cody Rhodes. And then all hell is going to break loose and predictions are completely out the window. So again, the intrigue is in what's going to happen post-match. You got to go Roman here for sure. I'd put a 99% chance that he does retain, but The dynamics of this match and this feud that has been now roughly 10 months going strong. It's been an incredible run. And let's just hope that WWE can continue to strike while the iron's hot and make it more compelling from a storyline perspective in the entire company. Let's close with AEW and MJF. So he is wrestling Brian Danielson in a one-hour Ironman match at Revolution for the World Championship, which is held by maxwell jacob friedman himself and i'm gonna go ahead and give him a win here i i will preview the revolution card in the coming weeks but for now i'm going to try to predict the next three challengers for mjf and speaking of twitter back in december of 2022 he that being mjf made a list of people that would never beat him for the triple b and that is the i can't remember exactly what it is but it's Obviously, it's it's the AW World Championship, so it's the Burberry something belt. I cannot remember for the life of me, and if you know, you could tell me. So he's already gone in order. He has Ricky Starks first, which he defeated at in December at Winter is Coming, and he's got the American Dragon Brian Danielson number two on that list. I'm going to just go off of this and say that the next three that he has on this list will be his next three challengers. Wardlow. Welcome back to the spotlight, young man. He just had a pretty solid promo the uh, last night on Dynamite as he's going to be re- wrestling Samoa Joe for the TNT Championship here at Revolution. I would like to see Wardlow win that, but if he doesn't, he could go right back to MJF. I don't think anybody would bat an eye. I don't see that main eventing double or nothing. It opened double or nothing last year when both men were arguably hotter, but... We're definitely going to see that coming down the road. You have student versus pupil and then bodyguard versus leader or along those lines. So Hangman Page will be number two when it comes to the AEW pecking order for the world championship. I could definitely see that headline, Double or Nothing. I do see Hangman defeating John Moxley at Revolution in a Texas death match to even that series at two. When John Moxley goes home is the biggest question. I have no idea when that's going to happen. But one thing's for sure, an MJF Hangman page feud that started back at Double or Nothing in 2019 when they were the last two remaining for the Casino Battle Royal to get that championship match. You can always reignite that. they toyed with it a little bit at Fighter Fest and Fight for the Fallen back in 2019. You haven't really followed up on it. I believe the last singles match they had was for the Dynamite Diamond Ring in 2019, which MJF stole. So we have that. And your third will be Eddie Kingston. He's got Edward written on that list, folks. And you know me. And not necessarily my love affair, but my highest regards for mr eddie kingston his promo ability his baby face ability i know he's kind of in limbo at the moment here in AEW, but again you could eat, heat him up so easy over the course of the next few months give him a summer program heck even have him steal it have him steal the championship at either what would that be fight for the fallen in late july or quick by the lake in minneapolis in early august call my shot there have the rematch at All Out, an Eddie Kingston-MJF bout, which MJF prevails and wins it for the second time, and Eddie Kingston gets his Mick Foley title run. You could do it that way. Or you could just have Eddie be just another challenger and just have MJF and Eddie Kingston just battle it out on, battle it out on the stick for a good couple of months. No one's going to complain about that. You got the Bronx versus Long Island. You got the streets versus the preps. It's is going to be very compelling television once it actually happens, folks. So look for that down the road. I would love it. So Wardlow first. We're going to go Hangman Page. We'll say Double or Nothing this coming year. And then Eddie Kingston, whether that's going to be like a or Fest fight for the Fallen scenario and we could have that continue later on down the road. Well, that is it for me today, folks. Episode 112 of the Unplugged Pro Wrestling Show. Jesse C. Velasquez on Twitter. Wrestling You and You on Twitter. Google, Apple, and Spotify is where you can find said podcast. I contributed to an SE Scoops article with my Elimination Chamber predictions, myself and a plethora of other editors and scribes, including the great Ryan Drossi of Top Rope Nation. So go check that out at sescoops.com right now. All that being said, I'm out, 112, and I will see you on the first Don't you cry no more